Well, good morning. How are we all doing? Energized? Ready for this? No more surprises? No big, big shocks, right? Well, we'll see. <laughs> Let's start this morning with a, a job description here. This is something, um, I, I just made this up, but this is more or less what we see. Part-time position wanted. Speaking, public speaking, each Sunday. You will care for a group of people during the week, encouraging them, counseling, coaching, those kind of things. A master's degree is preferred. There may be an ordination process. It may also require evening work and a willingness to perform extra services, such as hospital visits and weddings and funerals and special events, or just to have coffee. Hours in excess of 50 hours may be expected from time to time. So we ask that you this be your only job, even though it is part-time. Your pay may be determined uh, based on a vote of the people you serve. Uh, if married, your spouse should be expected to work along with you without additional pay. Benefits, if they are approved, are not portable and will not stay with you if you leave the organization. They may vary based on budgetary year. You may be asked to sacrifice time and salary to benefit other administrative areas during challenging fiscal years. Raise your hands if this sounds like a good job for you. This is my burden. You know, it's my burden because I was at a position in my life uh, where I actually made the decision not to go into the ministry because I saw this this path and I said, I don't know if I can do that. It takes something really special for someone to be a pastor, and that's what we're going to talk about today is, is how we as people can be more helpful to them. So today... Before we pray, I just wanted to, to let you know that uh, I'm going to be saying a lot of things today that are, are based on a, a conference that I did last week, uh, so I'm going to do my very best to condense into uh, as much as possible, so I'm going to be going through very fast, and it may feel like I might be bashing you on the head a little bit. Trust me, I'm not. I'm trying to encourage. I'm just getting you prepared for that now, that we've got a big problem in our society, so if it sounds like I'm attacking you personally or anything like that, please don't take it that way. But honestly, this one's going to be interesting, folks. Let's take a moment in prayer. Father, there's a lot of things that are on my heart, you know, that have been on my heart for a long time and unexpressed. So I ask that the, the passion that I have for this may not overshadow your words, that you would shine through this morning above all things. Let the meditations of all of our hearts be appropriate and honoring to you, Father. We ask this in your name, your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, I think to fully understand, we need a history lesson. Now, the, uh, the funny thing, as I close my notes accidentally, <laughs> whoops, touch screen, um, this is, is not, the concept of having 
a, a pastor or someone who is, is caring for a congregation is not new. This is actually uh, based on the Levites, uh, who were a, a, a section of the, uh, of the redeemed people of Israel that did not have an inheritance. And so several times in Deuteronomy, they are reminded that they should be caring for these Levites, these people that don't have an inheritance, that don't have wealth of any kind. They're not given any, so they have to be taken care of by the people that they are serving. So right here in Deuteronomy in 12, says, the Levite that is in your town, since he has no portion of inheritance with you, he's talking about uh, tithes and offerings and that sort of thing. It's, it's mentioned here. It's like, by the way, they have no inheritance. They're depending on you. It says it right again in the next few verses. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God and all that you undertake. And take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. And then again, in, in Deuteronomy, a couple chapters later, it says, You shall not neglect the Levite who is in your towns, for he has no portion of inheritance with you. Do you think maybe God was trying to say something here? It's important that we are caring for our pastors. So here's the problem. It wasn't always like it is today, of course. We have developed over the last 50 years or so some really, really bad habits of society. And I think it's time we start addressing these. And what I talked about on Saturday of last week was how these are uh, stigmas that we have in our society. We need to address these. So the first thing is, you know, uh, you know, a pastor is only ever a pastor. In other words, they only ever are doing this. Now, there's no biblical precedent for this. Even the Levites had other things they were doing. And in the modern church in Christianity, it was not intended to be this way. It was intended to be a group of people caring for each other and an elected group of, of, of ordained people that, that were charged with caring each other for each other while they did other things. But somehow in our society, we've gotten to the point where we have pastors that are just pastors, and all of a sudden, that's just their thing. Now, the problem with this is that we also think that it's a charity and so anybody who works for a charity should live in poverty, right? You know, I mean, honestly, we, we probably should be, you know, making sure that they're making under the poverty line. But, ooh, man, some churches, if your your pastor shows up and he's not in that three-piece suit and nice and pressed and clean, mm, get him out of here. Fortunately, I'm, I'm glad that we're not like that. I'm really glad that we're not like that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the best-dressed one here, and I'm not even that... Well dressed. <laughs> I like this. That's why I like coming home. <laughs> but honestly, this is the kind of stigma that's out there, and this is something we need to be combating as a community. Uh, the, the pastors are in this plight. Um, so, honestly, what I want you to do, and, and I, I didn't think to see if we had passed out pens or anything like that, but there are some notes in the back of your bulletin here. What I would love for you to do throughout this, if there's something that catches your attention, write it down. This is not something that we want to just talk about for the next you know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so, and then we leave it. I want this to be something that you take home with you and really honestly think about. So one of the things I want you to think about is, well, what, what are these kind of things? What, if, a, if a pastor is, is doing this job and this is what we're paying them to do, what, what responsibilities do you think they should have? What... Uh, what um, what kind of things should they be doing, and, and what what about their mental health? You know what what kind of stigmas are there? 
what I'm seeing in the, in the nation, and, and, and see if this uh, uh, kind of resonates for anybody else, what I'm seeing is an attitude that pastors have it together, that the pastors are perfect and that they can do no wrong and that, you know, when it comes to their mental health, they've got it all together. Wrong. Wrong. It's not that way. They are humans just like us. They are serving right alongside us, but they are not somehow made superhumans just because they are appointed to this position by God. That's not the way this works, folks. So to, to really combat this, we need to face it. And so the, the question that I asked the, uh, the other uh, congregation that was, that was gathered, I guess it was more than just a congregation, was to, to start thinking about, okay, well, what would it look like if your pastor was in counseling or if you heard your pastor was in counseling? Would that upset you? Would that make you be concerned? And this is the problem I have with that. It's, it's that, honestly, I don't see, I, I look through the Bible and things like that, and I don't really see any, any precedent for that. And so if that's not the case in the Bible, then, then why should we be thinking like that is the question that I have. So I want to put something up on the, on the screen here. And this is uh, something that, that, that Jeff and I were talking about uh, a couple weeks back and just in the reality of, of things, and I haven't mentioned this part. So there's been, there were two studies done in the last, you know, uh, decade or so. Now, the, the first study said, okay, uh, if you were a pastor, your pastor now, would you do something else if you could? And about 40% of pastors said that that was the case, that they, you would probably get out if they could. Well, what, what year was this H.B. London study? Was it 2001. Okay, so this other one was in 94 or so. So within about six years, that number is now 70% of pastors saying that if they had a chance to get out of where they were, they probably would. Does that tell you anything about what we're, what we're facing here as a nation, as a church, and at, worldwide? Something is not right here. Something that... Uh, one of our conversations uh, with Jeff that I, that I it stood out to me that pastors are tired, and you know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them for being tired. And honestly, I think we can do some things about that to help. And that's that's what I wanted to to run through with you today is that biblically we are instructed. Each member is instructed to be involved in this. And so what I think that means is not just serving our community and serving each other, but serving our pastor, serving our pastor's family. It's not just something we should assume is being done. Because otherwise, this, this is our result, if we think of that. So I love this phrase. I love this, and I'm stealing it. It's, it's stolen, and you can't have it back. Jeff told me that, Pastors are the new unreached people in the church. In other words, let this sink in. As far as this goes, when you think about outreach in the church, who do you think of? You think of maybe homeless, or you think of maybe single moms, or you think of all these other things that we have going on that are good, and we should be doing these things. But the problem is, we're not reaching 
the people at the very top that need it. What kind of health do we expect if that's going to be the thing? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> As we sit in our nice, comfortable uh, space here, you know, it's, it's nice and air-controlled and, and, and comfortable-ish seats. You know, it's, it's really not uh, a hard thing to be here, is it? thing is, we need to wake up. And I, and I love that we were talking about this in the last few weeks, that, you know, are we living in the end times? Well, hey, guess what? This stuff's coming. You know, we've got Islam on the rise. We've got secularism invading churches. You know, we, we've got all these things. And, and if we're not focused on what's really important, if we're not focused on what's really important in these churches, all these distractions are going to take over. In the news this last week, uh, Pastor Andy, Andy Stanley said something that um, he kind of regretted saying it this way. Um, and he said basically that it was not good for churches to want to remain small, is what he said. The way it's been taken is that small churches are bad. Big churches are good. This is the way the society takes that. So it doesn't matter what you try to say. What he was actually trying to say was, you know, it's not good for you to try and remain small. That's all he was trying to say. But the society takes it the other way. And the more this happens, the more isolated pastors become, the more afraid they become to say anything at all because they will become this 70% of the unreached. So the bottom line here is that we need to decide if we want Satan to win this war or if we want to win this war. Now the thing is, Healing, in my opinion, and this is a hard thing to, 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 to hear sometimes, but healing begins at the top down. Healing doesn't begin from the bottom up. So if we aren't focused on keeping our pastors healthy, what kind of results do we expect? So in other words, the focus of our healing, the focus of everything we try to do to, to heal the church should be right here at this 70% of pastors, not just our own, not just our own pastors' families, but pastors all over the place. Now, <laughs> it's it's easy to become judgmental about, about pastors and their roles, right? And the the thing that, in, that struck out to me uh, a couple weeks back was was this passage that you know Matthew said, or, or Jesus said in the book of Matthew here, "Judge not that you not be judged." For with judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you try and, and, and take the place of God, you'll have it come back on yourself. Now, if you're sitting in a place where you're judging a pastor from what he's doing, do you think that might come back to you a little bit? I'm just saying. But here's the, here's the, 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 the crux of this. And this kind of has a, a double meaning. I love the words of Jesus because a lot of times they'll have more than one meaning. And he's saying, you know, take the speck out of your eye first so you can help someone else. It's the basic thing of what, what this passage is saying. So they, you, know, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye before you work on the speck on your brother's eye. We can take the same kind of notion in the church. We can say if we can't fix what is wrong if we can't fix the big problem. We know this is a big problem. We aren't talking about it, but we know it's a big problem. We just kind of expect if we 
you know, either throw enough money at it or something that it'll just fix itself. If we do that, then we're going to fail. So we need to, to work on this big log that's in our eye before we can worry about the speck of all these other things that are going on. And that is the crux of this. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some ideas that I've had. So some of these are biblical ideas. Some of these are just, hey, you know what? We're living in a world that has changed ideas. And so I'm really wanting this to be a dialogue kind of a thing where I am going to say some things. I want you to write these down if these really resonate with you. And I don't, I don't want it to feel like this is something where I think every person in this building should be doing all of these things every single week all the time. That is not what I'm saying. We're all gifted with different things that we can be doing. So as I go through all of these, I want you to write down. If anything just really strikes your fancy, I want you to, to, to write this down on how maybe you can serve and help our pastors. I'm sorry I'm so dry this morning. I don't know what's going on. Okay, first off, this is first and foremost in my mind these days. We need to protect our pastors. And I'm not talking about just Jeff here. I'm talking about protect, protecting pastors as a whole, as a whole community of believers. Now, the first thing is actual physical protection. I believe very strongly that if you are in a place where you are feeling unsafe, you're not going to be effective at your job. You know, if you are in a, in a, in a position where you think that any day there could be any number of threats coming at you, even in, in your little cubicle at work, how effective are you really going to be? Are you going to be watching everything else around you instead of focusing on what you're doing? I think that's true. So, honestly, I think we're doing a great job of this in our church today. We have a system of, you know, of things that we can do if there is a crisis or whatever happens. We've got uh, people that are training themselves specifically in how to handle this. And so it, it, it goes on. We don't even realize it's happening, but trust me, it's happening. And it's a great thing. Amen? Next is mental protection. In this, I really believe that this is uh, not necessarily something that members of a church should be worried about. This really should be something that, that we do as, as far as like church policy kind of a thing. And that means that we need to be caring for the pastor's mental health by you know, a system of accountability uh, within and outside the church. Um, we need to be uh, focused on giving them the resources they need to grow not just to uh, just give sermons every Sunday, but to be growing as people and then to be challenging their minds and giving them the time to, to grow. Um, the next thing is spiritual protection. And this is a tough one today, you know, because honestly, I, I think uh, we overlook this far too frequently that we, we just think that it's easy enough for the, the pastor to lead all of the spiritual things in a church. But we don't think about how we can help uh, encourage that and, and, and form a, a spiritual protection of prayer and everything else around the pastor. We, we sometimes forget that. Now, this brings me to my, uh, sorry, my uh, favorite one. And this is social protection. Because this is where I am just been, I'm containing my anger this morning and it's good. But honestly, we need to do a much better job about defending not only our pastor socially, but defending all pastors. <laughs> if we hear about people that are you know, coming down on, on pastors for this, that, and the other, it doesn't matter what, their, what the context is. We need to be protective of pastors that are called to do a job much harder than any of us would be willing to do. Amen? 
Oh, wait. There's one more thing socially. And I almost forgot it. Because it's the one that, that, that honestly is the most most dangerous. I don't like thinking about it. But it happens in every single church. And I've got to say, I've even seen it happen here. And that is my least favorite thing in the world, gossip. I hate gossip. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Gossip is when you say something about someone or on behalf of someone, but they don't know you're saying it. That's what gossip is. You take that basic level, it can go to any number of different things. And it doesn't matter if you have good intentions or not. The reality is gossip kills churches. And gossip kills pastors. It's true. <laughs> you know, I find it fascinating that, that we have these problems, but we don't say the thing that needs to be said the most. I'm going to say this to you. We can be the community that fixes this. We can be the community that fixes all these problems like gossip. Now, there's other things we can do, and I'm going to just go run through these really quick uh, because I think we're already, we're, uh, Jeff and I are, are, are trying to get some, get some ideas going with this too about how we can connect pastors with each other. It's really hard for a pastor to, uh, to say anything uh, to their church members or to have members in the church. It's just really tough. And you know what? Let's, let's, let's think about it. It's, it's hard. For, it would be hard for you to hear anything heartfelt from the pastor sometimes. It really is. You look, you look up to them to lead. It's really hard for a leader to, to, to get down on the, in the dirty and, and, and say what's going on in his life. So pastors need to connect with each other. And uh, this is where we, I, I really want to hear ideas on this from you. You know, I would, I would love to get an email or a Facebook message or something or just to talk to me sometime because, honestly, this is something that is, is a struggle to, to, to figure out how we can get pastors connected to each other in a meaningful way where they can be honest with each other. You know, locally, it doesn't seem to, to work as well as we'd like, and so trying to figure out ways to bolster that and uh, just, you know, whether it's just uh, connecting nationally, uh, doing coaching like Jeff is doing, which I, I think we should all be supportive of, by the way. <laughs> um, I encourage you to, to let me know what, what, uh, what solutions you can come up with. And this is honestly something that, that I, I, I'll show you this slide because this is something that I went on uh, quite a bit longer with the other, other uh, group that I was with. But it's, it's a, uh, a thought that, that occurred when I heard Dave Ramsey talking about a children's ministry. Uh, he was doing some budget stuff with a church, and they said, oh, we love our children's ministry. And, and Dave Ramsey looks at the books, and he says, no, you don't. He's like, yes, we do. We love, the, we love the children, and we love doing all these things for them. He's like, looks again at the budget. He's like, no, I'm not seeing it. No different with our pastors. If we're not caring for their needs financially, then we have no business asking them to be involved in this full time. In other words, if, if, if we have this kind of notion that the pastor is only a pastor, then we need to put up or shut up. It's as simple as that. And I applaud our church for doing that. I, I think we're doing a great job of that, honestly. Yeah. Another thing that I, I wanted to uh, get into is healing. Uh, because this is such a tough thing. Uh, because, you know, pastors, uh, especially the over 42 crowd, uh, <laughs> It's tough for them to, to hear things. They, they get into this defensive mode. They've been in these stigmas so long that approaching them with this care can be 
really hard. You have to be really passive about it. And, and you don't try and take on the problem head on, in other words. You know, there's ways we can do this, and that's what we're going to talk about. You know, encourage your pastor, you know, our pastor. <laughs> See, I'm already in the same mode of spot speaking. Uh, sabbaticals are really important. Making sure that, that, that Jeff is covered. Actually, like I said months ago, that's why I'm, I, I feel that I'm at this church, is to be able to give Jeff a break every now and then and, and let him know that it's okay to take some, some time off, that it really is, and, and to focus on his health as well as all of ours. It's really important. So, you know, lay, lay preaching breaks like this are really important. Um, now, another push button with me is counseling. You know, I, 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 I say this a lot almost every time I'm up here, but honestly, I think counseling is, is sort of like a, a oil change. You know, it's if you don't get it regularly, you're going to have a problem with your vehicle eventually. Just like if you don't get counseling on a regular basis, it doesn't have to be that you're in counseling because you're having a problem. It's because you're in counseling to try and prevent a problem. It's important. And if you hear stigmas out there about that, I encourage you to challenge people on that. In 1994, they created Pastor Appreciation Month. And we actually practiced this uh, once or twice. And it was a good thing. And I, I, I was talking to Jeff about this. The feedback that he gave was really, really positive. But here's my idea. I think we need a pastor appreciation team. And if this is something that you feel you'd be passionate about, I want you to think about this and connect with me on some of my other ideas about this so we can actually reach out and just practice this. In other words, instead of it just being something we do you know, for a month or whatever, that we actually make it a priority all the time. And we're just practicing this just like it's second nature and us being a church that is a model for others. Wouldn't that be cool? So if that's something that you feel you would be led towards, contact me about that. I have some ideas for us. Um, I need to click that. This one's important to me. Caring for the pastor's family. Now, it's it's easy to, to just focus on Jeff, isn't it? But there's somebody sitting right here that needs our help and support, too. And right there. And we can imagine his kids were there, too, but they're not here. But they all need our support, you know? Honestly, what, 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 what Jeff was telling me, it, it resonates with what I've heard from pastors all over the country at this point, because I've been kind of asking these questions a little bit. And that's that time spent encouraging a pastor's wife is way more valuable to the pastor than encouraging him. That's huge. And that's easy. We can do that. We can do that without any prompting whatsoever. We can just do that. Good job, Kathy. Really appreciate you. Not just for what you do. Just I just appreciate who you are. It, Now I gotta say this. In our in our world, it's it's easy to get caught up in in in, in caring, meaning you you follow their every movement. Well, that's stalking. Stalking is not caring. You shouldn't be offended if uh, uh, a pastor's uh, wife or kids are are not on Facebook or reject your friend friend request. It's because they are bombarded with this stuff, and it's hard to be a pastor's family. So be sensitive to that. I don't need to say much about this because I think we're becoming a model of this already. We, pay, we pray for our pastor. 
You know how many churches out there don't pray for their pastors at all? Isn't that disgusting? I think we need to encourage other churches to do exactly what we're doing of actively praying for our pastor every Sunday morning and throughout the week. Honestly, it's something we can do, and I think we should encourage others to do it. Now, another one is encouraging the pastor. And I've, I've had some ideas on this uh, that are kind of cool. We can actually find Jeff's love language. Our pastors, you know, encourage other pastors to find their love language and excel in that. And we can use technology to do it. If words of affirmation are a... Uh, or a, uh, a love language that a pastor has, we can say, hey, you know what? Here's a text message. Just thinking about you. That's all it has to be. doesn't have to be much. doesn't have to be, oh, that's a great sermon. You know, I, I can speak from experience here, saying, hey, great, great talk. I, it's appreciated. But honestly, how about, Jeff, your character has altered the trajectory of my life. And honestly, I can't imagine being here without you. Honestly. So, if you're impacted, it's time to impact. I'm going to skip over the next one. This is huge. No pity parties. No pity parties. I don't want to hear about anybody coming up to Jeff after the sermon saying, Are you okay? I don't want to hear about that. We're going to practice this in other ways. I don't want to hear about that. Uh, what I do want to do is focus on growing before we go. Just like our mission today. We need to focus on, on growing Jeff. On growing Kathy. These are our first steps, folks. If we can't do this, then we're not going anywhere. If we can't fix it, well, not fix it, but encourage it from the top, what hope do we have? Honestly, I think this can be a model in in churches, like I'm saying, and and honestly, I think it's about baby steps. I think it really is about saying, instead of trying to focus on all these things we're doing, I think if we detect that there is something not quite right, if we're not doing a good enough job of encouraging our pastor, I honestly think churches need to stop whatever they're doing and focus on that. I honestly believe this, because if you don't have that log out of your eye, you will never take care of the specs. It's easy for us to do ministry elsewhere, all these other things. It's really easy for us to do, but if we can't focus on the top down, we're going to be broken. We're not going to grow. Other churches, we need to encourage them to take these same baby steps and just take this one step at a time. Start with the pastor. Once you've got this good system going with the pastor, then then work down the, down the chain to the rest of the leadership and the rest of the people that serve and, and the, all these things. The, the reality is, if you want to be healed by a church, it has to be a healing church. We can't skip a step at the top to become that. You can't just you know, put somebody from the street out into a, a, a hospital and say, you're a doctor. We need to focus on this from the top down. And the result is that we are no longer what I call a country club for the redeemed, or I used to be Presbyterian, so we call this the frozen chosen. Country club mentality is that you're served. A hospital for sinners is a concept where you 
are serving. If you want to see the church transformed, this is where we need to start. Now, the conference that I was at gave me some of these little hearts to send back. And honestly, I didn't know what to do with them until just about 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. I was like, okay, God, tell me what to do with these things. (laughs) They're sitting on the table back there. And if you are feeling convicted that this is something you want to do, you want to say, you know, maybe I can't do all of these things that the DJ talked about today, but this is, I can at least do something. Take one of these home with you. Pray about it and pray about what you can do. Amen? Let's pray and I'll have Chaz come back up. Father, it's tough for us. We, we get caught up in schedules and, and being served in so many ways in our lives that we forget that we need to be caring from the top. Father, forgive us for this. Forgive us for all these ways we've neglected. Help us to know how you would have us serve our pastors and our families. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want you to know that I slipped uh, DJ a $100 bill a week ago when I asked him to preach. No, I asked him, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I didn't even give him a warning. Yeah, about yeah. <laughs> DJ has uh, really actually uh, been helping me and supporting me uh, for many years with my Ministry of Life Connections Network in pastoring pastors, and, and this has kind of come out of that. And he was invited to speak at a pastor's conference in uh, Springfield, Illinois last week, and so that's, I want to give you a little context. I did not slip him a $100 bill and ask him to talk about me today, so just so that you know that. Would you stand up and let's close in prayer today? Father, I do thank you for your incredible love for each and every one of us. And Lord, you have called us together, and you've called us to Love together and share together and pray together and fight together and weep together. And uh, Lord, just be what we're supposed to be to you and to each other. Thank you for DJ's heart. Thank you for all the years that he has jumped in and supported me and um, my heart to pastor pastors. And thank you, Lord, that there are pastors all around this city and all around this country that are hurting and they're lonely and they're broken and Many times their marriages are fragile and their kids are rebellious. And Father, we do pray that there would be a renewal of love and encouragement and grace that would go to every pastor, again, in this city and around our world. Lord, we, we want to pastor pastors because they are human and they do struggle and they do have needs and they do fight spiritual battles on behalf of all the rest of us. So, Lord, I just thank you for the calling and the opportunity that You've given many of us to reach out to these pastors. And thanks for, again, DJ's heart in, in loving us and, and loving many pastors uh, that you give him opportunity. Thanks for this wonderful church, Lord, and the great people here. The opportunity we have, again, to honor you and to go out and make a difference in our community. Thanks for our brother Chaz being here today. I pray your blessing upon him. Give him safety and anointing as he travels all around the country sharing your word. And, Lord, we pray that if you want us to support compassion, we'll do that today also. Thank you, Lord, and we love you and appreciate you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a good day.